Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. One thing is crystal clear to me when I studied the scriptures is the body of Christ consists uh, in totality of believers who are joined to Christ. That's the body. And when we understand body ministry and we kind of get out of that church mentality, uh, church, the church mentality has really hurt us. Um, because we consider the church the four walls, but that's not the church. The church are you. It's individuals, but those individuals who are joined to God, but also joined to each other. There's not halfway. You can't halfway be joined to God and then not joined to each other. Amen? Otherwise, you're going to have a dysfunctional body. And I don't believe that Jesus Christ died for dysfunction. He's the head. We're his body. And so we're not to be dysfunctional. We are supposed to be not only connected to the head, but we're supposed to be connected to each other. It's just like when you look at my body. My head is connected to the body, but also my hands and my legs and my feet and everything else in this organism is connected to the head. If you sever the head, the body dies. Amen. If, if you sever my hand from my body, the hand will die. If you allow the enemy to sever you from the body, you will die. It will be a spiritual death. Amen. And so it's not good enough just to be connected to God. You need to be connected to each other, saints. See, if we can mess around there and begin to develop those peripheral relationships in the church like we're supposed to, then we can really be powerful and we can really make change in the world. And I truly believe that in John chapter 17, uh, Apostle John Uh, He wrote about, uh, he poignantly wrote about a prayer that Jesus Christ prayed. He said, this is is an awesome prayer. He said, Father, I wish that they would be one even as you and I are one. That's amazing. That is an amazing prayer simply because he's not just saying that he is connected to the Father. He's also talking about the Holy Spirit, that the three of them are connected to each other. And just as the three, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is connected to each other, he's saying that we should be connected just like they are. We should be intimately connected with one another as intimately as the three of them of them are connected. That's when he said, I wish they would be one, even as you and I are one. Why why was that so important? I truly believe it was important because the enemy knows if he can make us dysfunctional by talking bad about each other. Because you can't connect with somebody you're talking bad about. So the enemy knows uh, over there in Matthew chapter 18, it says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. That, that's a great scripture. Two or three gathered in my name. We got two right here. We got another. That's three. Ooh, God says I'm right there. But you got to know the, all of scripture. You just can't say that that's true. Amen. Amen. It's true, but not in totality. So you got to add some more scripture to that. So in 1 John 3.22, it says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. Now let's go back up to Matthew. It says, where, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am there in the midst of them. But if you're not praying the will of God, and if you're not living in his commandments, then it don't matter how many of you together. That's why you got to understand the totality of the scriptures and that is all intertwined together and is, is creating a tapestry on how we should live our Christian lives. So he's, he goes on to say, he said, because we keep his commandments. Well, that's not, that's not the commandments of Moses because he corrects it over there in the book of Mark when he said these two are the greatest. What are they? Love the Lord with all your what? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. And guess what? And love your neighbor as He said all commandments in the Old Testament stand on those two. So when you read in the New Testament that we keep his commandments, what is he talking about? Loving the Lord with all your mind, soul, strength, and heart, and loving your neighbor as yourself. So if we're not doing that, then it doesn't matter how many of y'all get together. Then it goes on to say, and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. So if you're not doing stuff that's pleasing in his sight, I don't 
care how many of y'all get together and touch and agree. And that's what's happening. People are touching and agreeing. Ain't nothing happening. Because you can touch and agree and you still live like hell. Ain't nothing going to happen. Because this don't belong to you. This belongs to people that it says it belongs to. Those who are operating in the commands of the Lord. And if you don't like that, well, let me give you another one. Let me go over to 1 John 5, 14. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him that if, if, somebody say if. If it's a conditional word, that means that's a choice that has to be made. It's a small word, two letters, but it means a whole lot. 1 John 5, 14 says, now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Well, what is his will? Is his word. This word is the last will and testament, and you don't get an opportunity to get anything in the will until somebody dies. Well, he died over 2,000 years ago, so now this is our inheritance. And for you, if you don't read it, then you don't know what's yours. Amen? So he died. So that means that this will is active because a will and testament is not active until the, the death of the testator. Well, the testator is dead. That's Jesus, which means he left us the last will and testament so we can read it and understand our inheritance as Christians. Amen? Amen. The devil knows that the moment that as Christians, if we can connect right, man, we can defeat the gates of hell. That's why he wants us to talk bad about each other. He wants us to talk bad about other churches and other pastors and, and they ain't doing it right. Well, you might not be doing it right either. Because, see, listen, when you start talking about what everybody else is not doing or doing, you have to ask yourself, are you doing it right? Because, see, one thing about that barbershop talk, I used to go to the barbershop before I uh, took it all off. I save a lot of money now. I don't have to wait in no lines. Praise God. I don't have to listen to all that old foolishness in the barbershop. Everybody experts at everything. Everybody knows everything that's going on. And, you know, I don't have to worry about all that right now. But in the barbershop, see, if there's a person that's being talked about at the barbershop, usually that means that the people that's doing the talking are not really doing anything. Because I have to ask, well, what are you doing for somebody to recognize you? Well, at least they're doing something. <laughs> Hello. You know, so I don't even worry about all that. If, if I see a minister fall, that's the time to pray, isn't it? Don't glorify in that. Because the Bible says, be careful how you stand. Listen, you might be the next one. That's why I don't, uh -uh, I don't glorify nobody falling. Somebody sitting right here, you might be just a banana peel away from slipping. <laughs> Amen. No, don't listen. So what am I getting at here, guys? Stop pointing fingers at everybody, especially in the church. See, because we, we're, I'm, I'm hearing this in my heart for this year, 2015, the church, not covenant, the church, the universal church. We're going to have to connect in real covenant relationships this year if we want to be powerful against the systemic evil in the world. And the main reason we're not gaining ground today is because we're too busy talking about each other. And we got to stop that nonsense. we got to stop that nonsense. We, we're going to have to connect in areas of prayer like never before. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for some of these big-time pastors to go ahead and start having some prayer meetings. That's what we need. We need to start having some prayer meetings in the United States. And I'm, I'm hoping, see, I, I, I don't have as much influence as they do, but, but trust me, if I had that kind of influence, I, I would, man, we'd be meeting all the time for prayer. Because I know that's the one thing that's going to get us right. See, another policy can't fix this. Because you can't fight spiritual evil with a policy. You can't fight spiritual evil with natural weapons. Putting boots on the ground, uh-uh. We got to pray. Amen? And we got to pray from the top. It's got to start with the president. It's got to start right there, all the way down. Amen? Because when we prayed as a nation from the top down, boy, things happened. When we connected like that, man, there was nothing that the United States could not do. And it's still the same today. Why? Because we were built on the premise of Judeo-Christian values. Still today, 34% of our records. Scripture. <laughs> Amen? No other nation is like that except Israel, which God created. 
So there's only two nations in the whole world built on the premise of God. Two. Somebody say two. Two. It's just two, right? And so Israel and the United States need to stay connected like never before. We should always be connected to Israel because that's God's land. Amen? And so listen, I just want to get to that, so let's transition a bit here. Now, I've been preaching this for quite a while, and um, it seems like I can only get a couple of points out. So let me just do a little recapitulation on what we've already learned, because we talked about uh, the power of covenant-connected relationships. Uh, Covenant-connected people, uh, the first thing that I talked about, they will never leave the sheep unprotected. We learned that a few weeks ago with David, because when David went to run lunches to his brothers, he left the sheep with a keeper. Amen? So covenant-connected people will never leave the sheep unprotected. So in other words, you should always be praying for the church. Don't leave us unprotected. Pray for one another. Pray. Come on. Come on, saints. When you say, I'm going to pray for you, don't, don't, just, don't just say those words. Because listen, listen, if you're not going to pray for them, just keep your mouth closed. So we don't need all that fakery in here. I don't, I don't need you coming up to me. Pastor, I've been praying for you. Listen, just say, Pastor, I've been thinking about you. I can understand that, but when I, when I feel like you're praying for me and you say you're praying for me, I'm just saying you're praying for me. But there's a difference than thinking about somebody and praying for somebody. Amen? So let's just be honest in our assessment of what we're really doing. And praying for somebody is not saying, uh, God, just bless him. That ain't no prayer. I assure you I don't pray for you like that. Amen? So I'm just saying. If you're going to pray, pray for somebody. If you're not praying for somebody, don't tell them you're praying for them. Just like, you know what? You, you've been in my heart. <laughs> and stop right there. <laughs> Be honest of your assessment of people. Otherwise, don't say anything. You don't have to try to prove yourself to be so Christian-like. What, what is all that? All those, I call them shenanigans anyway. Don't be, you know, just be a Christian. You don't have to do all that fakery. Amen? Hello. Anybody here with me today? So covenant-connected people will never leave the sheep unprotected. There's an amazing quote about, uh, from uh, Edmund Burke. Uh, it says that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And that's what I'm seeing today. We got a lot of good men not doing anything. We got a lot of good men in the church not doing anything. They just show up. Yeah, I'm here. I gave my little tithe, so you ought to be happy. But what are you doing? Are you serving somewhere? Are you making a, a, an assertive effort to make a difference in a young man's life that might have his britches hanging down around his ankles and instead of talking about the young man, are you trying to establish a relationship with him so you can be the example that he needs? Maybe he never had a daddy in his life and all he had was his boys in the hood. And instead of talking about the young man, maybe you need to be an example for the young man. Are you hearing me here, saints? See, at some point, we got to start believing in our youth. Not what they look like right now. But you got to believe in them to the point you gotta, you're going to have to pull them up. Amen. And then once you pull them up in their mentality, trust me, they will pull their britches up. Because all that is based on a fad. Come on, their peers. Hey, man. Okay, we, we, we're better than that, saints. Come on, we're going to have to make a better difference. The second thing I taught you was covenant-connected people do not wait for a call when there is a cause. You remember when David came out there and his brother says, why are you out here, David? <laughs> you out here trying to see the war. And David said, is there not a cause? So a lot of people in church today, you know what, uh, Pastor, I'll do that when I feel like I'm called to do it. <laughs> I don't feel led, you know, to do that. And uh, I got a lot of bullets at home. I'm going to bring some to church. Because when people say, I don't feel led to do that, Pastor, I'm going to pull and get out of my pocket. I'm going to get my bullet and say, now you're led. <laughs> now you got some lead, you might as well go ahead and do it, amen? See, you don't have to have a call when there is a cause. If there's something that needs to be done, why don't you just do it? Just get it done, amen? And, and so you don't have to be, you know, uh, Pastor, I want to do that, but let me go and lay out in sackcloth and ashes, and I got to pray, and when I see angelic angels come in my room and say three words in three minutes, then I know that's God. Yeah, you're throwing your fleece out. Well, if you got to do all that, just don't do it. Amen? But David said, is there not a call? See, you don't need a, a, a call when there's a cause. And third thing I taught you was covenant-connected people draw from the shepherd's bag. I taught you that David put those five smooth stones in a shepherd's bag, right? And the shepherd's bag represent the church, the church. The five stones represent the fivefold ministry gifts over there in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, which God gave to the church 
not for the, for the people, the individuals. He gave those gifts to the church to edify the church, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. They're not for the people to put on their business cards and go preach. They're there to equip the church. And that's the shepherd's bag. Amen? And so I want to get into something a little bit different today uh, and continue on with uh, our assessment of building these strong relationships. I'm sorry, I had the, the three up there. So let's go to 1 Samuel, uh, the Bible here. You know, I love this Bible. I like preaching the Word of God. I like reading the Word of God. I feel like uh, God has, has changed me from just preaching a scripture to us looking at the scriptures and getting edified from the Word of God. And uh, with that, it takes me a little bit longer to hit my points, but I'm going to just take that time to hit my points. Amen? And, and then we'll, we'll get it all. We'll get all what God wants us to hear. Because I, I don't believe in rushing what God wants to say to his people. And I've been convicted by that and, and uh, you know, trying to follow what other pastors are doing. And, and God convicted me and said, if I had called you to do that, I would have told you. So, um, no, I'm not interested in all that. I'm just interested in what God wants for this church at this time and this season. And he wants his people to be equipped. Amen. And, uh, and so once you are equipped, man, then you'll be a force to be reckoned with. So the gates of hell should not prevail against you or your home. And you know, how to, you know how to pray because then you understand that no weapon that's formed against you shall be able to prosper. You know, the weapon may be formed, but it shall not prosper because you know how to use your own weapons. Because Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that we should be armed and dangerous. He tells us what we can put on. And then he goes on to say, put on the Lord Jesus. And when you put him on, don't take him off. Amen. So you should be equipped because there is nothing to protect your back because you are never to turn your back on your enemy. You're always to face your enemy. Amen. Glory to God. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 57, is, I think is where I want to start reading. And uh, the, the word of God says, then, David, then as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. So let me just uh, uh, give you the backdrop here. Of course, in this scene, this is after David has slaughtered Goliath. Uh, Goliath has been taunting the, the children of Israel for 40 days. And uh, they were the men was running in fear. Uh, all of a sudden, David comes in, and David says, "Now, I know you guys are running in fear, but who who is this running his mouth like that, right? So, so who is the matter of fact? David said, "Who is this uncircumcised Philistine?" So David almost cussed him out. So, so David was like, "I don't like the way he's talking about God's people like that. Who is he anyway? Why haven't y'all killed him?" David said, I'll kill him then if y'all not going to do nothing. And so this is David. David said, listen, just give me my stuff. Just don't put anything on me because David couldn't wear somebody else's anointing. You can't wear her. Come on now. You can't wear somebody else's anointing. And a lot of times when you get in certain places, they're trying to put their stuff on you. David said, no, I haven't proven these weapons, but I got my own weapons because God proved these when nobody else was looking. <laughs> so David said, just let me use my stuff, what I got. So David used what he had to take out Goliath. Amen. And so he put everything in his shepherd's bag, which is a type of the shepherd preaching the word of God. Because when you get the word from the shepherd, then you can knock out your giants. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And amen. The Bible goes on to say, uh, verse 58, and Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And so David answered, said, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, uh, the Bethlehemite. Verse eight, uh, uh, chapter 18, verse 1 said, now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul, listen to this, guys, listen to this. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now, that's, that's a powerful scripture right there, but I need to break something down because uh, <laughs> liberal Bible critics uh, try to say that Jonathan and David had some type of homosexual relationship. This had nothing to do with sex. This was about a covenant, and a covenant is spiritual. It's not natural. Amen? It had nothing to do with homosexuality, and they're they trying to find every scripture that they can to legislate what God has not sanctioned. Amen? So y'all now y'all know how I preach it. I just preach the truth. Amen? So, so it's not, if it's not sanctioned, a law don't make it right. The Bible is still true. Amen? Verse 2 says, Saul took him that day. And would not let him go home to his father, uh, father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant. They did what? So this is spiritual. They made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Verse 4. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor. Now this, this is powerful. I'm going to explain this in a minute. 
even to his sword and his bow and his belt. Verse 5, so David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. I'm going to stop right there. Let me stop at verse 4. Okay, so, so when we start looking at this, let's go back to that word knit. Did you see that word knit in verse 1? It said that, that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. In other words, it was bound to the soul of David. Now, I, I did a little research on this. The same context of the word knit is the same word bound up. When you see the words bound up, it's the same Hebrew word for the word knit. Now, you can find it over there in Genesis chapter 40. Um, you, let, me, let me just give you a story here. You guys probably remember, you remember when Joseph now was uh, prominent now? He had gone through the, the pit, the prison, and Potiphar's houses and all that. So now he's, he's, he's the, the, the second guy in charge. You remember when his brothers finally came? And then at the very end, Joseph said, do you have another brother? Remember that? He was testing him because he knew Benjamin because Joseph was closer to Benjamin than his other brothers. He said, do you have another brother? They said, yeah, we got another brother named Benjamin. So Joseph said, well, you go get Benjamin and bring him back. You guys remember that? If you don't, if you don't remember that, go read in Genesis chapter 40. And so, so th th this, this is what the brother said. We, we really can't go get Benjamin because you don't understand that my, father's, my father is bound up in the life of Benjamin. Because Judah had already, I mean, not Judah, but Jacob already felt that he lost Joseph. He thought Joseph was dead, and he grieved so much so that they thought he was going to die. Well, his love went to Benjamin now, which was the youngest boy. So the brothers were saying, please, don't let us go get Benjamin, because if we do, we, our father's going to die because our father's, he's so bound up in the lad. He's, he's so spent in, into the lad. And the reason I say that is because here, here's my next point is covenant connected people will find someone that they can lose themselves in. Somebody that you can lose yourself into. Somebody that you can give yourself to. Somebody that you can just, just pour into because you see so much in them but they may not see it yet. Uh, we just read that David now, he's coming back from, from de defeating Goliath, man, and he's the hero. And they're praising him. Come on, come on. When he came back, the women started praising David. You remember that? They said that David has, uh, Saul has killed his thousands, and David has killed his what? Well, that wasn't good. They were praising David more than the king because King Saul was jealous. And so what happened was the people were praising David. David wasn't about getting praise from the people. David was trying to find somebody he can lose himself in. And maybe, maybe it was when, when, when King Saul asked David, where, 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 where are you from? And he said, I'm from Jesse. He began to talk about his daddy, and maybe Jonathan began to see what David had in the connection with him and his father, and Jonathan want that, wanted that with him and his father. But he couldn't connect with his daddy because he was, he was too busy trying to politically posture himself. So Jonathan saw something in the relationship that David had. And Jonathan said, you know what? You got something, David, I need. So Jonathan was willing to take off the royal robe. He was the prince. David was nothing but a shepherd boy. Had nothing going on for his life except he had been anointed, but he was not appointed yet. See, sometime in the church, you might be anointed for the position, but you may not be qualified to take it yet. And see, David, David was already anointed to be king. He was already anointed to take over Israel and Judah, but he was not ready for it yet. King Saul still had the post. So maybe David was looking at King Saul like, look, since you are the king, maybe you can mentor me. Well, that didn't happen. David was still trying to find somebody he can pour his life into because covenant-connected people will find somebody to bring to another level. And maybe you don't think you can. Therein lies the problem. Because you haven't tapped into enough of God in your life to see that you have something to give somebody else. That's, that's where the problem is. Don't, don't look at your situations and the things that you've gone through to think that you don't have something to give to somebody else. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, go with me here, Batman. Riddle me this. Maybe the reason you're going through all of that hell is so that you can be qualified to give somebody else something. 
Maybe, maybe. I'm just saying maybe. Because the Bible says that all things work for the good. But let me tell you something, saints. All things don't feel good. They don't feel good all the time, do they? I ain't lying. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes you're confused. You just, you know, you just tore up from the flow up. So, you know, you're just trying to figure things out. And so when, when people say, well, all things work for the good, I think we need to explain some of that. All things that might be working for your good may not feel good. Amen. And so sometimes people have twisted scripture to think that, that somehow God sent you a, a debilitating disease. To get your attention. God does not do that, guys. I'm just telling you right now. That, that stuff comes from you not doing right or the enemy brought it. Hello. And you got to take responsibility for it. Well, God, God gave me cancer. They teach me a lesson. I never said when I got cancer, God gave me cancer. He didn't give it to me. I got cancer because of bad eating. And the enemy wanted to take me out because the enemy, he can't see my future, but he knows I'm heading somewhere. And so that's what he wants to do. He wants to keep you from doing, he knows God has a plan for your life. He don't know the plan for your life, saints, because he's not omniscient. He's not all-knowing. He can't see into your future, but he can see that God has blessed you. He knows your past very well, and that's where he wants to keep you. Because if he can keep you looking in that rearview mirror, he knows you're not going to go anywhere. So I begin to look at this relationship between Jonathan and David before I move on to the next point. And I want you guys to see this metaphor that the Lord showed me. Now, here is the prince, Jonathan, the prince, had all the money, all the glory. His daddy was the king of Israel at this particular time. Jonathan still needed to find somebody that could pour into him. Jonathan was, was, was thirsty. <laughs> he was thirsty for somebody to look at him other than the prince. You know, sometimes uh, when you got a little position, you don't know if people really respect you for the position or they respect you for real. You know, sometimes when you got money, you don't know if people love you for you or they love you for the money. All I got to tell you, let that money run out and then you know. <laughs> Just like this young girl won that lottery, she should have never came out. She should have kept her mouth closed. She said, don't tell nobody. She said, I'm anonymous. Don't tell nobody. That girl is getting ready to have all hell break loose against her because she's going to have cousins coming out like roaches. Girl, you know I'm your cousin on your mama's brother's sister's uncle boo boo side. All I need is $1,500 today. <laughs> That girl, she's going to be, <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about here. That's why they say most people who win the lottery are broke in six years because they, they, they and listen, you can take somebody out of the ghetto, but you got to get the ghetto out of them. Amen. Yes. Amen. And so, so, so that's what God is trying to do to us. He's trying to get us out of the world. And see, we can get out of the world and come into the church, but still got too much worldliness in us. So, so, so Jonathan, let's get back to Jonathan. Jonathan took off the royal robe. See, we don't live under a king, so we don't really understand the, the dynamics here. We have a president. But when you, when you are ruled by a king, a sovereign king, the prince, they have all the money and the power. They can just look at you, and they can tell a soldier to kill you. You can't even question it. That's a king. That's a dictatorship. That's a king. We're not under that. That's why they came here to get away from all that mess, right? So... Look at this now. This is the prince. He's looking at David, a shepherd boy that has nothing that he needed other than to be fed in his spirit. The prince said to David, who had nothing to give. The prince, who had everything to give, took off his robe. He dropped his sword so that he can come into covenant with David. So in other words, the prince said, I'm willing to be vulnerable with you, David. So I'm willing to drop all of my titles so that you and I can connect on a spiritual level because we can't connect if you keep looking at my title. But what I really want you to see here, saints of God, is the metaphor. Jesus had on his royal robe. And he looked at us who had nothing to give him. And Jesus said, Daddy, I dropped my royal robe so that I can give my life to this man. I'm willing to die on a bloody cross. I'm willing to drop my robe of authority. I'm willing to drop everything, my glory and all. 
because I'm willing to give my life because Jesus said no man can take my life. He said, but I lay it down. And he said, if I lay it down, I can take it back up again. Praise God. See, he's the prince of peace. Glory to God. And so he looked at us who had nothing to give him and said, I want to come into covenant with you. Somebody need to shout amen on that. Because, see, that's what happened to us. That's what happened on that, on that faithful day or that faithful night when we knew we had hit rock bottom. There was nowhere else to go. We had hit a wall, and there was nowhere else to go. And Jesus came, and he said, I take off my royal robe. And guess what? I'm not going to drop it. I'm going to give it to you. Boy, see, you, you see what I'm saying here? And then he gave us a sword. He gave us his authority. He gave us his sword. And he gave us his life. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus was willing to lose his life so that we could live. See, covenant connected people, they want to pour their lives into other people. See, I, I have a quote in my office at, at home. It's a group of Marines because I served in the Corps. And it says, the true essence and the test of a leader is one who leaves himself behind in others the conviction to carry on. Simplify, brother. Do or die. What does that mean? That means... Revelations, the Bible Revelation says, blessed are the dead that die in the Lord for their works do follow them. That means when you put something in somebody else, God can't even give you all your rewards yet because your rewards are still blessing other people. But are you willing to give into other people? Because that means you got to spend some time. Amen. And that's, that's one thing. We all got 24 hours. <laughs> that's all we got. We don't have 25, 26. We all have 24 hours. So that means it might have, you might have to make a sacrifice. Covenant-connected people, they find somebody they can lose themselves in. And that's one thing I, 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 I like giving in to people. I'm telling you, I love, man, the man, when, when, man, when, when, when men Elaine went to uh, Raleigh uh, uh, a couple of weekends ago with these business people, these leaders, man, they were hungry for God. Husbands and wives, they were hungry together. And guess what? The hungrier they were, the more we poured into them. Why? Because they wanted it. We was trying to cut the thing short. They was like, don't you cut it. We want it all. Whatever you got, we want it. As long as we got to be here, let's give it to them. Boy, we gave it to them. Right? Why? They were hungry. They wanted more. Guess what? We gave of ourselves into them. And I didn't even know it at the time that my, my spiritual son is the one put it on, but he had seven spiritual sons there. That wanted to meet us because they, they, I'm like, I guess I'm granddaddy. I guess, I don't know. I don't like that term granddaddy. I'm too young to be granddaddy, but y'all know what I'm saying? Why y'all laughing? I'm, I'm for real. I ain't, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm for real. I ain't no granddaddy. My, my grandkids call, don't call me granddaddy. They call me poppy. Don't call me no granddaddy. I ain't no granddaddy. I ain't playing. They don't call her grandmama. They call her Gigi. No, we don't, we don't, uh -uh. We, we too young. Uh -uh. I don't like that grandparent thing, amen? So, you hear me, you know, you see, see, I'm, I got a little thing right there. I'm dealing with some stuff, amen? <laughs> amen. Praise God. And so, so, listen, so we were able to see that, and it was such a blessing to me because I didn't know my spiritual son was pouring all this stuff into these guys for the last 15 years, and it was stuff that I taught him in a class that I taught over 15 years ago. And he said, man, Devon has been talking about this man for 15 years. And we was like, well, who the heck is this John Lofton? I didn't know it. This guy speaks in front of thousands of people every month. He's, uh, he's in one of these, these y'all know one of them multi-level marketing companies. He's in one of those, but he's like way up there. So he's talking to people all the time. And he said, man, every one of those events, I, I say your name. I was like, well, why are you saying my name, boy? He said, man, because I want to tell them how important it is to pour your life into somebody else. I said, what? I said, and that's, my, that's, that's what he's talking about right there. See, you never know what you're doing in people when you're willing 
to humble yourself and give of who you are into somebody else even when they don't deserve it. That's what Jesus did to us. We didn't deserve it, but he still died for us. Amen. Is that good? Come on and give him a praise. That was good. Amen. Amen. One last point before we move to the next one. One of the things about Jonathan, and he realized that David had, David had a father. David had a father. And what Jonathan learned was that it takes more than procreation to make a man a father. Let me say that one more time. Jonathan learned that it takes more than procreation to make a man a father. See, a real father don't have to be biological. Just because you're biologically tied to somebody don't make you a father. And I'm a living witness to this because most people don't even know that our daughter, Caitlin, I adopted Caitlin. She's my adoptive daughter, but she looked just like me. Yeah, just like me, right? Because when I met Elaine, Caitlin was about two years old. But when we got married, I adopted her, right? But I'm her father. She had a seed donor because that's all he did was donate some seed. That's all he did. He's a donor. But I'm her father. There's a difference. Procreation don't make you a father. Hello. Even, even Paul teaches that you may have 10,000 instructors, but you don't have many fathers. Amen. Everybody cannot be a father. So every man may have the ability to make a baby, but not every man has the ability to be a father. Amen. And listen, let me just take this on a spiritual context for a second here. God is looking for spiritual fathers in the church, not seed donors. Let me make myself really clear here. If you're in the church and you're a man, you should have more of a presence in the church. It shouldn't take the pastor to do anything. You should step up and just do it. There are more young men in this church that we need to bring up than maybe the young man that's your son, your son, right? So listen, so what God is looking for is for us to be spiritual fathers in the house as well let me take it deeper up here in this pulpit God is looking for not pastors he's looking for fathers even in the book of Malachi he said I'm gonna turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the father unless I come and smite the earth with a curse now he was just not just talking about biological he was talking about spiritual fathers but every pastor don't have the ability to be a father you have to be called to it hello and, and fathers treat you differently than pastors. There's a certain level of authority that, that fathers have in your life that nobody else has. Hello. Somebody else might say that. You'd be like, don't you talk to me like that. But when your daddy talked to you, you'd be like, all right, daddy, all right. All right, man, you tripping, but all right. <laughs> That's how I talk to my dad. I'm like, boy, you tripping, but okay. <laughs> Why? Because I, I, I didn't make my daddy. My daddy made me. Hello? Hello? So, so listen, there's always going to be a great level of respect, right? But the problem, a lot of people, leaders in the church are not getting respect because they're treating people like pastors and not like fathers. We're supposed to raise you up. Not to put our thumb on you and you can only do so much. If I'm not doing it, you can't do it. That's a pastor. But a father says, I see where you're going and I want you to get there. What can I do to help you? That's a father. That's how I see the church. I don't care if I ever, never get to preach to 20,000 folks. You know, I don't really care about that. But if I can give into your life and you preach to 20,000, boy, I'll be your best cheerleader. That's what fathers do. Maybe God would give me the platform to give it to you. I had no idea that Devon would be talking to 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people a month when I poured into him. You just never know what can happen to a person when you pour into them. Lose yourself in somebody else, guys. That's what God wants us to do because Jesus did it to us. Amen? 
I didn't mean to belabor that. I'm sorry, but I, I, I really wanted to get all those things out. So we're seeing that covenant connected people will find someone they can lose their lives in. And let me give you the last one here. I just want to do two points here and then and then we're done. So first time your chapter 18, verse five says, so David went out wherever Saul sent him and he behaved wisely. You, you see that two, those two words right there? He behaved wisely. He, 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 wherever Saul wanted him to go, he went, but he went wisely. He went with integrity, humility, and character. Do you see in this thing? Oh, man, this, this, this is going to touch you here. Now, let's drop down to verse 12. Let's, let's, let's catch the rest of this story. Now, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. Are you seeing this? Saul was the king. David was nothing but a shepherd boy in Saul's palace. But Saul was afraid of David because God was with him. Let me tell you something, saints. You might have some people that are afraid of you. They don't know how to effectively articulate how they feel about you. So they may talk bad about you. But in essence, they are afraid of you. They are scared of you. Why? They can see God on your life. So that's okay. That's all right. Let them talk about you. You just behave wisely. <laughs> Glory to God. Let's keep on reading this. This is good stuff, John. Glory to God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Man, I like this kind of stuff. And so, so it goes on to say, um, um, uh, God was with him, but uh, had departed from Saul. So God was on David and not on Saul. Therefore, Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved wisely in all his ways. And the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. And so, so listen, listen, listen. That, that's the next point I wanted to show you guys is covenant connected people behave themselves wisely. W one of the things that, that I saw right out the gate here was when, when David came with the head of Goliath, Saul wanted to connect with David, but not to pour into David. He just wanted to, to be connected with the fame of David. Because Saul was not only jealous, he was also suffering from low self-esteem issues, but Saul was also a people pleaser. Uh-huh. So he didn't want to connect to David because he saw something in David. He wanted to connect to David because of what he saw was around David. See, sometimes, saints of God, you might have people who want to connect to your life, not because of who you are, but because of who you are connected to around you. And they might have some hidden agendas and motives to get to know you because they really don't want to know you. They want to connect to that other person that's connected to you. So you need to behave yourself wisely, which means you should have some discernment because God will help you discern who's good to be in your life and who's bad. God will give you the ability to, to pick out those who might be good to get close to you and those that you might need some distance on. Uh-huh. And so that's what was going on with uh, Saul, King Saul and with David because well, it was a dysfunctional thing going on with King Saul. But, you know, sometimes dysfunctional people, they, they don't want to talk about their problem. What, what happens? They want to point out somebody else's problem. Why are they doing that? So they don't see theirs. See, see sometimes, uh, let, me, let me give you some balance here. Sometimes people do want to connect to you and they are good for you, but you don't want them to get too close because they might see your dysfunction. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. See, that's that was that was that was that was Moses' problem, right? That was come on, come to that was Moses' problem. You know, Moses had a speaking impediment. Moses kind of stuttered a little bit. He said, I can't speak. He said, Who, 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 who shall I say sent you? He said, you know, Moses was like, God, I, 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 I can't speak, right? And so so he was saying, God, I, I can't do this. I cannot do this. I can't speak. He said, by the time I get out what you want the people to hear, that all of them be dead. And so, so God, help me out. And God says, no, I want to use you. You know what the problem was? Moses knew something about himself that only God knew. Moses' problem was, if I go out in the public, then they're going to see what I struggle with personally. So sometimes we, 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 we're standoffish because somebody might see your stutter. Uh-huh. 
Uh, yeah, you don't want people to get too close because then they'll see you don't manage your checkbook well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want people to get too close because they might see that you, you know what, you've been faking church all this time. I must be talking to a different church. My, my bad, my bad. I might need to preach this on the 6th at another church. Amen. Am I in the right house? Are you sure? Okay, okay. So, so y'all want to get into some more of this? Okay, I promise this, 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 I got this point to share with you. Um, let's go up to verse 10. I want to show you something. I skipped it on purpose. I want to show you something, and then we're going to pray. Verse 10 says, and it happened on the next day, on the next day, that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was no spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. I wrote this down. It said, disconnected religious people and dysfunctional religious organizations will prophesy over you while at the same time they're trying to kill your anointing. Maybe I need to say that one more time. <laughs> yeah, the Bible's pretty clear. When I read that, that brother was prophesying in the house. And then the next thing he did, he picked up a javelin. Come on, saints. Come on. Come on. That, something's not right about that. Are we painting a picture here? Okay. All right. Let me see if I can bring this to North Carolina. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. I have a spear. Okay. I don't have any. I got a spear. Just imaginary spear. It's laying there. It's, it's just there. I'm not bothering it. It's not bothering me. I'm up here acting spiritual. I'm prophesying to y'all. I'm giving you some words of God. And it's glorious because he's speaking what God is saying. And boy, God is in the house. And as soon as you get up, I pick up a spear and throw a spear at you. Wait a minute. I was just acting spiritual. But as soon as I stop acting spiritual, my true self comes out. So you got to ask yourself, what was he prophesying? <laughs> now, now, I know there, there is an issue. I've, I've had to deal with this issue myself personally, that I've had speak, people speak into my life. But then when God had a call on my life, those same people who tried to speak into my life tried to stop me from doing what God called me to do. Maybe you've had that too. So in other words, what am I saying here? You can act spiritual, but your true self is going to come out eventually. Even when Saul threw the javelin at David, David behaved himself wisely because he never picked the javelin up to throw it back. Did you guys see that? Every time he never picked the javelin up, to throw it back. Well, what's the spiritual lesson there? I read it to you already. We don't trade railing for railing. We don't overcome evil with evil. We overcome evil with and if you don't behave yourself wisely with integrity, character, and a godly compass, then you are going to be one of the ones who pick up the javelin and throw it back, and at that very moment, God can't defend you. Because you just picked up what you should have left down and allowed God to deal with them. Amen? So that's what it means to be connected, because when you're connected with God, remember, Saul was afraid of him. Why? Because God was with him. So if you know God is with you, just keep moving forward. I hope this is making sense, guys. I know, I know this is not profound, but, I mean, it's good for me. Amen. <laughs> so, 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 listen, so somebody may have thrown javelins at you. You know what the javelins are, right? Railing accusations, lied on you. Uh, they, they said some stuff to people that they know it was a fabric fabrication of the truth. They kind of bent the truth a little bit. They didn't tell everything. Come on, everybody's probably had that. I mean, haven't you had a family member to say something to another family member? And by the time you get to the fifth family member, it's a whole different story. And then here you come, and they're they looking at you all crazy. You're like, why are you looking at me like that, man? Well, I heard what you did. What? what? 
And then by the time it gets back to you, it's like, that was not what I did. But you got other people mad because of a story that's been going around, and it's a fabrication of the truth. That's, that's a javelin. But, but you don't go... But you don't go back to the person who started it and rail against them. Amen? Because they might be the very one that's afraid of you. Amen? All right. I hope that was good enough. That's all I got for today. Praise God. Let me just share this one little, little thing with you here. Okay. Let me share this one little thing with you here, and then uh, we're going to pray and go home. Uh, it's a, I found this. Uh, it's, the author of this is unknown, um, but I want to read it to you because uh, it makes a whole lot of sense. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. In the end, that <laughs> it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could be done. So we got to get it done, amen? We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number 3.org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.